Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in on Monday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, back from the weekend. Hope you guys enjoyed some fall-like football weather. We'll see if we get some fall-like football maybe by the end of the week. We'll dive into some recruiting. Greg Smith is 20 minutes away. Recruiting insider, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. One hour from now, Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt. Charlie McBride will join us. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt, at Schmidt underscore radio, or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, as always, give us an email, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just a couple of guests today, plenty of room for you. We can get in on some Major League Baseball, the latest with the Cardinals and their COVID case. Uh, news in the Big Ten coming out from the Chicago Tribune. We'll get to in a moment. And a pretty explosive weekend uh, in uh, the world of college football with the Players' Tribune and uh, a number of the Pac-12 student-athletes demanding a seat at the negotiating table. I've got to take on that. I'm sure you've let it marinate as a college football fan but we got to start off and, and make sure our fearless left tackle is doing okay. Elijah Herbal has got the stubble going. And uh, my friend, give me the update on this shoulder. If we're, if, we're, if we're to play a game right now in the parking lot, are you good to go? Oh, I'd play through the pain. The doctor will say no. I'll play through the pain. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a warrior out there. Um. Have you ever had to play through such pain before? Uh, this one's, this one's a pretty good pain. I like mean, like nicks and bruises and cuts and bumps and all that stuff at Southeast. I mean, you played hurt, but I, I, there's did, a difference between did you play injured? playing injured. Yeah. yeah. Uh, playing, you're, are you, you're injured. injured right now. I guess I am. Yes. Cause I went into the doctor this morning and, and thankfully it's no sling. Thankfully I have full so range you, of motion. If, in my if arm. you would have gotten a sling, we would have signed it for you. Eh, it's not a cast, but you know, it's still just like. It shows weakness, you know. <laughs> uh, but no, I went in there and they said four to six weeks. It's a it's a separated shoulder and there's not much they can do for it. It's one of the low grade separated shoulders. So, just four to six weeks of rest on the shoulder and I should be fine. Be, be careful go. with like you know throwing down with those 160 pound Brazilian jiu jitsu dudes. Yeah, I think the the that's included in the four to six weeks. And honestly, I might just not go back after the. the I'd, I'd go back, but just. I, I would like, you know, just show up, rub some dirt on it, and say, you did this to me, it's my turn. <laughs> I, I wish I could. Maybe I'll get good enough someday. Uh-huh. Well, let's get into Northwestern football. As Teddy Greenstein uh, reporting just about you know 45 minutes ago that Northwestern football has paused workouts after they have had a player test positive for COVID-19. So what we know is this, per the Tribune, a spokesperson with Northwestern confirming that the program would not resume 
workouts till Wednesday at the earliest. So this is a little different. Let's just start there. You're going to have positive tests. You're, you're going to have kids get infected, right? Are in, in what what's the recourse? Yes, you're going to pause workouts, but for how long? And right now, uh, Friday's kind of D-Day for if you want to start football up and kick off early September, you need to start having padded workouts. You need to be able to smack one another as the 7th of August is the, the day the NCAA allows. That's the, the start date for contact practices. Big 12 is going to move forward with that week zero. You know, the SEC and the, uh, the, the Pac-12 are in on the end of September. And right now it looks like the ACC is that middle week, the 15th of September. You know, presumably the Big Ten was going to get going on the 5th of September. We, we just don't know right now. And you've got another program testing uh, or, or pausing workouts because of a positive test. So as a result, the positive test and the contact tracing initiatives some other Northwestern players have been placed in quarantine. Those who've come within six feet of the player for a specified period of time, they'll need to test negative before being cleared to leave their residence and return to workouts. The last workout for Northwestern was Friday. So when did this player for Northwestern contract COVID? Did he contract it during workouts Friday from another team member? Was this player um, exposed to it over the weekend by somebody through no fault of his own? Somebody walked into the residence who was asymptomatic. I'm just asking questions out loud. Or uh, allegedly, uh, it was somebody following the St. Louis Cardinals playbook with a trip to the alleged casino. Okay, I mean, how are you how are you getting infected with this? What's your behavior like? The reality is this when we talk about a schedule release and is the Big Ten going to play football? You've had five Big Ten programs. Ohio State has had to pause workouts. Indiana has had to pause workouts. Maryland has had to pause workouts and now Northwestern. You have had full Monty quarantine by Michigan State and Rutgers for two weeks. They've shut the thing down for two weeks in the past. That was 16 positive tests among 122 athletes and four athletic department members testing positive for Sparty. Rutgers, they halted workouts. They had an on-campus gathering that led to an outbreak. And to me, that's the difference. There is a difference. It's one thing to get COVID through no fault of your own. If there's an outbreak, I, I feel, absolutely feel for those that get infected. I want them to return to school and workouts fully healthy. And I hope there's not lingering effects when they're 50 or 70 or whatever. The other part of this, though, is just the, the decision-making of, of going out and, and pulling, I'm going to call it, pulling a Rutgers, where you're going to some parties while it's fun. And listen, my family has not gone full quarantine with just staying at home. We have actually ventured out, and people have gone to restaurants and bars, and you can do so responsibly. I'm not telling you to stay home. 
Lord knows you've stayed home for a long, long time the last several months. But when it comes to the, the athletes at, at the pro level, uh, there's, a, there's an expectation. Be able to play. All right. You're getting paid. You're professional. We'll get into the latest uh, stuff from the Pac-12 here in a moment. Uh, these kids aren't professional. They're not. Uh, they're just kids. And I'm interested to see what is next here. And with the Chicago school being Northwestern, being in the vicinity of the Big Ten offices, I just wonder if that will influence more of a wait-and-see attitude within the Big Ten offices, within Commissioner Warren, because it's it's now a sixth program that has had to pause workouts. It's also a, uh, a program just down the road from you. Uh, a source did say this to Teddy Greenstein. There's a one-in-four chance that football happens in the Big Ten this year year that's the other part of this story uh, a source says that's the estimate uh, from last week that there's a one in four chance college football will be played in the fall and that was before you had the continued outbreak of major league baseball and now you have this instance with northwestern the bottom line is this you can keep your team somewhat healthy with the ability to to have your own bubble, okay? That's that's it. This is just in from Nicole Arbach. Sparty has conducted a COVID-19 test on 127 athletes between July 30th and 31st with seven positive tests. Uh, all of those who tested positive were individuals in quarantine that uh, college football teams current, currently quarantining or isolating while awaiting completion of the 14-day quarantine that began on the 22nd and runs through the 4th. So the uh, day tomorrow is kind of where Sparty can move forward. The latest number from the Hawkeyes, 70 tests, 5 positive for Iowa. Haven't seen anything new from Nebraska, but can you keep your team in a bubble? And what's the extent you shut down? Is it just for a a brief period or do you have to go into full quarantine for two weeks because of the sheer number of positive tests? I hope this thing moves forward. I hope there is football like a lot of us. I don't want anyone sacrificed up for it. And this kind of gets into the topic of the weekend, and that was the Players' Tribune with the Pac-12 and a group of Pac-12 student-athletes numbering in the hundreds wanting a negotiation sit-down. The hashtag we are united as they are wanting secure and fair treatment for college athletes. Uh, you have COVID-19. There are serious concerns, and the threat is this, the threat to opt out in preseason and uh, in-season games, fall camp and game participation, unless the following demands uh, are not met. There's guarantees in writing by the conference to protect and benefit both the scholarship athletes and the walk-ons. Listen, the players who came up with this put some thought into it. When it comes to economic rights, there needs to be a, a larger discussion. And some of the old school 
shake their head at that. And, and I, I get it. I mean, it, it comes down to a chicken or egg discussion, doesn't it? Who's making who? Is it the Trevor Lawrences of the world that get to go ball out and go win a national championship or play for a championship or a Tua or pick a high-profile guy, uh, uh, Zeke, with Ohio State's national championship run? You've got, uh, you've got a collection of 100 to 150 guys on the football field uh, that are part of a, a Power 5 group in a conference that prints money. And what they're able to secure, what they get is free education, free living conditions, and what's, what's, their, what's their financial setup look like? A lot of them come, a lot of kids come from tough, back, tough backgrounds. So being able to further themselves educationally is, is a blessing. And they've earned that through the ability to be good enough to play at this level. There needs to be a talk. There needs to be more of a chip given off percentage-wise to these kids. Now, the players asking for 50% of the revenues, no. You can't go into your boss's office and say, listen, man, I do a great job and I am compensated, but I need 50%. And I need you to take a 50% pay cut. It just doesn't work that way in the world. But there needs to be a larger discussion uh, when it comes to economic rights for players. They're not normal students. And they understand the leverage they have right now because the fear is the college campuses and college towns that have football on Saturdays uh, imploding with no football because you need these kids to go out and perform for folks to show up and watch on TV or show up to watch at a 20% capacity in, in the stands. So there is the platform, there is the school, there is compensation being provided and tuition to Stanford or Yale or Texas or Florida or Notre Dame is insane. I don't even want to know what tuition's going to cost for junior. That's just my kid uh, who does well academically and we're working on the athletic part. Good kid. That's just my family situation. Uh, there are points to be made, but there are some outrageous demands also made by these players and you've seen some blowback with Washington State's coach and one of their top wide receivers or at least a returning wide receiver that has some promise a kid out of Texas with all right are you opting out for health concerns because if that's the case completely support that are you joining this this uh, this this group when it comes to uh, to demands for reform in college athletics by the Pac-12 and if you're doing it that way, we're going to have a problem. My take is this. You're going to have a swift response if you haven't already. Uh, and this player's mother at Washington State has said, look, the, 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 uh, this is Jerlene Woods. That's the mother of the wide receiver. Uh, and you have Cassidy Woods. It's part of this bigger group, this bigger voice. And a lot of the coaches, depending on how good the kid is, they'll tell these guys to move on down the road. Have fun, good luck, God bless, go transfer. I think that'll be the response. Period. Because there's always somebody that will be willing to take your spot. You've got another comment made by somebody at Washington State with the Players' Tribune. 
and his take is is not that different. He's a Lamont McDougal, and he understands what the playing field is right now. I agree with the movement, especially the health concerns, but not playing this season isn't an option for me. I got people that need to eat, so if the NCAA wants to use me as a lab rat, that's what it is. It is what it is. We'll dive into some recruiting. Greg Smith's coming up. Great to be with you on a Monday with Hale Varsity and presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's say hi to Greg Smith, recruiting insider with HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Greg Smith HV on Twitter is where you find Greg. Greg, how was the weekend? Did you did you grill anything? Uh, the weekend was good. Um, I did throw some chicken wings on um, Saturday. Um, that that's always good. Um, so, but it was, so it was a good weekend though. Weather was pretty nice. I can't complain. Dry rub or did you sauce them? I did sauce them. Um, I had a taste for like some buffalo wings. So I just went uh, with a straight buffalo sauce and then threw them back on there to kind of let that glaze soak in there. Uh, but otherwise, it kept it pretty, kept it pretty plain. You know what, though, man? The original is, is still pretty awesome, right? I mean, you just you can't go. Beat it. No, you go with the buffalo, and even if it's a little mild or a little hot, you sear that thing right, and it's just perfect. Right. You can't go wrong with that. It's kind of like, I was thinking about it when I was doing it. It's like, man, you know, I kind of, we could do something really crazy here, but, you know, you just can't go wrong with, with the original. Um, just keep it going, and you're good to go. You know what? Wings are always fun to talk, but we like recruiting as well. So <laughs> let's let's dive into some recruiting. And uh, you know what? I, I love your recon, and uh, you do that each week on HailVarsity.com. You have your Greg's guys that are also published uh, every so often. And am I okay to say about eight spots remain for Nebraska? Yeah, that's about the range that we're looking at here. It, it, it should be about eight. Um, the way that Nebraska has kind of gone over these last few years, um, you never know if there's any unexpected attrition, um, but eight is about safe for, to go with for now. Okay, so breaking it down, Nebraska still in the market for a running back, still in the market for a couple of tight ends, three defensive linemen, one middle backer, one outside backer. Let's uh, go to the tight ends because, oh, I don't know, there's 50 in the state, it looks like. (laughs) And I know you were up uh, chatting with Coach Warren, Steve Warren. But also you had a chance to sit down with Thomas Fedoni. He's got a spot when we play musical chairs for tight end recruits. But you've got Carney, the kid out of Norris that we've spent some time on. And then A.J. Rollins as well out of prep. Is is Rollins a guy that you think Nebraska will think about at linebacker as well? Or is he a tight end all the way? Kind of work me through uh, the tight end availability for Nebraska and, and where you think the Big Red's leaning. Yeah, so it's gotten a lot more interesting than I think anyone really would have imagined it would be at this point a couple of months ago, right? Um, Because of the emergence of James Carney, and and as soon as you talk to to Steve, um, Carney put on a really nice performance um, out at the camp a couple weeks ago. Um, Basically, every testing metric um, was right there with Thomas Fedoni outside of vertical jump. Fedoni's vertical jump was better by a good deal. Um, But everything else, Carney was right there with him. He also ran really nice routes. 
workouts and showed good hands. Um, and he, I think he gained something like 20 pounds and, and shaved off some from his 40 since the last time that I had saw him. And so he's really emerging as a guy that I think is going to be a Power 5 player. I know he's committed to Miami, Ohio right now, um, but I think he's got Power 5 written all over him. And I think Nebraska, it would not be the worst idea in the world for Nebraska to offer him. I think they are waiting um, because I think that much like um, Henneth Harburg, the quarterback commit, that once that offer comes, I don't think that it would be long before he would want to join the class. So you have to be a little bit careful just in case. Um, but that's where it, where it gets interesting is, is that A.J. Rollins has been content with kind of taking his time and just kind of slow playing the process, um, knowing that he was one of a couple of preferred tight ends for the Big Red. And now that you have an emergence of Carney, that's going to put a little bit of pressure on Rollins, whether or not Nebraska actually states it um, explicitly. It, it's going to put pressure on because everybody knows that Fedoni has one of those spots if he wants it. Um, now, so your question about Rollins as outside linebacker, maybe. I think that there's a chance of that. Um, given one, um, that was when Nebraska first started kind of recruiting him um, and he was first getting looked at by different colleges. There was questions on whether or not Rollins would play outside linebacker or tight end at the college level. Um, I know Nebraska has liked him as a tight end for a while, but if you want a way to get all three of those guys in the class, moving Rollins to outside linebacker or having him just kind of listed as an athlete uh, would be the way to go there. Greg Smith with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. We're talking recruiting at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. So where's Nebraska at? We, we say that Nebraska needs three defensive linemen. Roquan Buckley, the kid out of Michigan, uh, is, is on the radar. He's a target, and there's been good communication, at least social media-wise, back and forth with Nebraska. Buckley and who else to fill out three spots on the line? What, what are the names you're hearing? Who are the kids you're hearing from? Yeah, Buckley is probably number one on that group because uh, Toby O'Cooley uh, from Kansas City, being coached by Michael Rosivy, actually committed to Auburn over the weekend, um, which is kind of a blow uh, for Nebraska given the resources that they put into him. He said not to SEC. Um, and then you have Mandela Tobin, who's an uncommitted kid um, out in California who I spoke with recently who's high on Nebraska, um, really likes the academic, academic package that Nebraska can put together for kids with the number of academic All-Americans that they have. Um, and he couldn't stop talking about the weight room and the stuff with Zach Duvall. So that, that bodes well for Nebraska uh, moving forward. And I think there's a couple of other emerging targets like Robert Jackson out of Pennsylvania and a couple of others. But I do think that Nebraska defensive line is really intriguing for this cycle because it, I think it's the, the position that was hurt most by not having a spring to then set for A, to know what Nebraska has right now because there's so many question marks. Um, guys you're excited about on the team, but question marks nonetheless that haven't played as much and then to use that to be able to determine how many guys they need to take in this class because if some of those guys that are on campus that are still pretty young beside Newsom, Tate Wildeman, Casey Rogers, those sorts of guys um, just off the top of my head, like if those guys are progressing nicely then you might not need as many defensive linemen as previously thought. You mentioned Rogers and Wildeman and, and Mosai Newsom and Man, those you know there there's some um, some wild cards there, right? I mean, we we talk yeah. about Ty Robinson, we talk about the polar bear. Yeah, you've got uh, some JUCO help uh, for sure. Uh, the next couple of years with uh, Phil Darius and and uh, Riley, of course. But I mean, the Bra- DeAndre Thomas yeah, is still yeah, around. <laughs> yeah, D yeah, Train's been here 38 years, and it's okay. <laughs> right. and, and you know what? He's he he took it upon himself to redshirt and slim down and. 
I mean, I'm excited for the defensive line. It's just you just don't know what to expect with, all right, what's the ramp-up time for some of these guys? You know, Staley and uh, Daniels have, have been here. And, and even with DeAndre, he's played in enough games to kind of know what's up, right? So yeah. what, what are you going to get from that second wave of guys that they've been in the program, they've battled some injuries, and, you know, what's their snap count like and what's their – activity level like because they've not they've been asked to, to play a few snaps here and there but they've got an opportunity to, to provide as many snaps as they can earn right so how soon are they ready to be big 10 good is my question with these with some of these guys you mentioned the young kids yeah it's going to be really interesting because like there are enough of them when you just list out everyone you're probably at about 10 scholarship defensive linemen that you're thinking huh I could actually see if that guy takes a step forward he could be out there and playing in Big Ten football games but then you could also make the case that they could not take that step forward Um, and with having that many guys it actually sets up nicely to where you think okay you don't have to be counting on one particular guy or just two of them um, to be able to step forward because you've got so many options and I think to me that's the name of the game with Werner Nebraska is right now, if they can coach themselves into options and be able to rotate those guys a little bit um, so that they can stay fresh and hold up against some of these run-heavy teams or the teams that like to spread you out in the Big Ten, too, um, it, it could really bode well for the future of the defensive line. It's just going to take a little bit of time to kind of figure out which way they need to go there. Greg, who's the linebacker Nebraska really wants, the, the, middle, up, the middle linebacker that they're targeting most? Oh, man, that that one is tough because middle linebacker is still kind of – that one is now kind of fluid. Um, outside it is a little bit more set, and I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, with Wyndon Uli um, mm-hmm. out of Hawaii. Yeah. Um, that kid's a really good player. The Nebraska has continued to kind of do well with under the radar as they, they continue to try to knock on the door and get into Hawaii. As we've talked about before, I feel like Hawaii and Utah are the two places that we talk about all the time that produce good – Good power five defensive players, um, especially in the front seven. And Nebraska continues to try to, to get that going with Tony Tuioti. Um, and I think that he's the next kid that they really have their eye on. Is Nebraska happy with their options at outside linebacker on the, yes, on the recruiting I, front? Yeah, I think so, because they're in a really nice spot with who they already have in the class. I think that they feel really good uh, about the, the different guys that they have. You know, Randolph Kapai, who's a really good player um, from just around here in South Dakota. And then you also have Will Schweitzer uh, from out in California. And a lot of those guys have position flexibility. Seth Malcolm really could play inside or out, but they like it at inside. Um, so I think that they have a, a good crop of linebackers right now they they just need they probably want to get one more outside guy um for sure to go along and if they want to end up then taking a middle guy if they don't want to use that spot somewhere else um they could do that because like you mentioned off the top starting off the starting to get close and tight on those spots it's going to be difficult um to continue grabbing guys when you've got multiple players at a position greg i want to wrap recruiting and a thought here at running back uh nebraska uh, needs one back for this 2021 class and who are who are some of the names out there that Nebraska has offered and Nebraska's in communication with they, they've done well I mean they've they've been pretty active with the running backs this this cycle 
Yeah, there, there's some really good running backs still out there. It kind of depends on which way Nebraska wants to go. If you want to go um, with a little more power running back um, from New Jersey, uh, Audrey Estime, um is a guy that I still really, really like and am high on. Um, I still think that you know it's going to be tough to beat Rutgers uh, for his signature, but you, but you still keep kind of knocking on the door there. Um, you got a couple of Texas running backs, Cameron Valdez um, out of Texas. Um, the kids, there's a couple of kids down there in Texas. They still want to continue uh, to pound the pavement down there. And we've talked about this cycle with them trying to get back into Texas. Um, and they've had some success going back, I guess, last year to Omar Manning. Uh, but I think they're in a good spot with running back. But, again, that one is going to be one, too, where, like, say the health of Ronald Tompkins. Like, if he's a guy that can come back and give you something either this year or next year, maybe you don't have to take that second running back. Um, so you've got a little bit of flexibility there. But there are still some really nice players still out there on the board. So it's fair to say it's fluid with the, the, the middle linebacker and the running back spot or the outside backer and the running back spot. That, that, that spot could shift to another need, specifically when we talk about the tight ends, perhaps Nebraska's chasing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that those are a couple of spots that you could look at that could wiggle one more spot free for Nebraska if they wanted to take three tight ends um, in this class, which there technically is room for them to do given how they don't have any young scholarship tight ends on the team after moving Chris Hickman um, out to wide receiver, even if he's going to do a little bit of both, uh, best case scenario for that situation. Um, you probably, you, you definitely need two and could make the case for three. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Greg Smith's with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Greg, I want to wrap with this, and thanks for hanging on an extra segment for me. Uh, a thought on, on the decision coming down. I know the NSAA and, and LPS are moving forward, so there'll be, there'll be football this fall in Lincoln. That's great. Uh, you have a bunch of different school districts up in the metro. OPS is still, as we talk, trying to decide what to do. And, and that's that's potentially dangerous with uh, just you, you hear some some murmurs out there from coaches and players inside of Omaha Public Schools. And I'm thinking of kids that are at Omaha North, power program, kids that are at Burke, big-time program, and you've got really talented athletes that, that go to Benson, kids that go to Omaha South, kids that go to Omaha Central. I mean, uh, and I, I don't know if I'm leaving a school out or not with OPS. I think I've got them covered. But, man, uh, are you surprised uh, that this is a topic of conversation with OPS when you look at Westside, that they're moving forward, at least as, as we talk, or some of the parochials up in Omaha, or uh, you have La Vista. I mean, uh, would this just decimate uh, what what some of these power schools are? Bellevue West clearly is their own school district, but they're the Bellevue districts. But, I mean, it's been Bell West and Omaha North and, and Burke. I mean, it's been kind of that triangle, man. And if OPS says no football, do you have a mass exodus to some of these other power programs? That That is the $64,000 question with that situation. Because as you list those schools um, – a handful of them, so Burke, Central, 
and there's one more that I'm forgetting that north. all have north, north, yeah, that have like definite guys that are going to go on to play college football, and almost all of those cases, guys on those rosters that are going to play power five college football. Um, yeah, you're, if, if it's allowed, because we keep hearing different things about w- what could happen with potential transfers, and if schools try and block that, um, if kids go to Iowa, I know that Thomas Stoney put that tweet out about, hey, if you want to come win a, a ring, come on over to the other side of the river. Like, it, it's going to be open season on some of those guys, because that's a lot of talent. You think about just the Burke kids alone, um, and what would happen with a guy like Devin Jackson, or over at Omaha Central uh, with Deshaun Woods. Like, it would get really interesting because those guys won't want to sit out a year um, and, and take the risk of stunting their development and they'd want to play football, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just going to, that's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Um, I don't envy any of those decision makers, um, but it's definitely going to get interesting uh, if they decide not to play football. Greg Smith is with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Follow Greg on Twitter at GregSmithHV. Last thought, Greg, any, uh, any recruiting watch, any commit watch going on this week, or do you think it's quiet? No, I think it's quiet. I think the thing that, that everybody's waiting on, well, a few things. One is the schedule um, with the Big Ten, because I think we may need to get some of some more clarity on that before we figure out and get more clarity on official visits and unofficial visits and what's going to happen you know, with all of that this season. Because I think that's the next big domino um, overall to fall, because I think that's going to then change the clock for a lot of kids, and you'll see a big run of commitments uh, if it comes out that there are no official visits. Greg, be safe and healthy, and uh, tweet out a pic of those wings next time, all right? All right, I got you. Actually, I, might have, I think I took a picture of them. I'll, I'll text it to you. All right, Greg Smith with us. Greg, take care, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, have a good one. Had to go a little extra with uh, Greg and talk uh, about Omaha's situation. Uh, Lincoln moving forward with football, so that is awesome. We'll spend a little bit more time on that next hour. 20 minutes away from Charlie McBride. This has been uh, posted on social media uh, by a man who covers SMU and the Dallas for the Dallas News, uh, Sam Bloom. And this is a Facebook post by Debbie Rucker. Who is Debbie Rucker, you may ask? She's the mother of Indiana freshman offensive lineman Brady Feeney. And she has posted about her son with the permission of her son, who's dealing with recovering from COVID. And uh, this is the health and safety that Commissioner Warren has talked about. We just told you about Northwestern 45 minutes ago, pausing workouts. Uh, So Feeney's uh, 18-year-old kid, great shape. He was negative when he got tested at the beginning of volunteer workouts. Three weeks later, he and, and multiple others tested positive. Now, Indiana's done everything right by shutting down workouts and retesting the whole team. Unfortunately, the virus hit her son very hard compared to most teammates. Kids in perfect health, health great physical condition, and due to the virus, he ended up going to the ER because of breathing issues after 14 days of hell for her Facebook post battling this horrible virus. His school did additional testing on all those that were positive. My son even received extra tests because he was one of the worst cases. Now, we're dealing with a possible heart issue. 
He's still experiencing additional symptoms. His blood work is indicating additional problems. Bottom line, even if your son's school does everything right to protect them, they can't protect them. I pray my son recovers from this horrible virus and can lead a healthy, normal life. Football does not really matter when your child's health is in jeopardy. So this is a mom whose son tested positive, was treated about as well as you can be from a precautionary standpoint by Indiana. But this is one of those stories that is going to get out there. It's going to reverberate. And that's one instance. There's another instance where, okay, you're going to have kids that, that test positive, go into quarantine, have the sniffles for a couple of days, and then recover. There's no uniformity to this. The other part of that is her son, who is doing voluntary workouts, say he's not doing voluntary workouts, say he's in his dorm room, or say he's in his apartment, or say he's still at home with mom. I mean, he can, you can catch this by not playing football. Was he exposed to it specifically because he was in, uh, in a uh, voluntary workout? It sounds like it. But who's to say he wouldn't have gotten exposed to it somewhere else? You just don't know. How damning do you think this is? If you stop and think about it. The argument that we've heard over the past couple of weeks is these guys are athletes. They're in the the, the prime of their careers. They're, they're, it's it, it can hit anyone. It can hit And it will affect everybody differently. This kid's in great shape. And they're thinking, oh, man, does he have some heart issues now? It's been a struggle for him to, to breathe. I mean, that scares the hell out of me, personally. But you just got to be careful and cautious and hopefully stay away from catching it. There are, there are things within your power to, to keep away from it. But it, it, off on the wrong two feet on a Monday as we want to talk football August 7th for padded workouts. Every single week it seems to be getting worse. Yeah. So we'll uh, chat some more about Charlie Mc, with Charlie McBride. Get back into the Pac-12. How about quarterbacks? Huh? Do we get a quarterback battle for Nebraska? That's on the way with Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. One final time this hour, Charlie McBride's coming up Mondays with Charlie. If you're going to make a move in 2020, your friends at West Blue Realty standing by. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding community, and they can help make 2020 a good move for you. For a limited time, you mentioned Hale Varsity. They can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a ring. Tom's uh, fantastic at 402-540-3768. Or how about Kelly Hofschneider? Kelly's there to help you as well. He does a great job at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. 1120 K Street Suite 200. WestBlueRealty.com. And do you have agricultural land 
One of uh, the things that they can do for you is help move that ag land. Maybe you're looking to get rid of. They've got an auctioneer. They can handle live auctions, sealed bids, and general land listings. They've even sold land several parts of the great state of Nebraska, Seward, Oto, and Lancaster counties. They can help you out again. A large radius is what they can handle. WestBlueRealty.com. Elijah, scale of 1 to 10, how bummed are you? that the Field of Dreams game set for the 13th of August has been shut down. Seven cards, six staff members for St. Louis testing positive. That caused Major League Baseball to to postpone the team's four-game series against Detroit and the cards game against the White Sox has also been called off pushed to 2020 hopefully in 2021 there'll be fans in the stands hopefully that's a reality what are you hearing i mean is this someone got coughed on and brought it to the rest of the team or is this a situation where uh someone hit a casino in michigan and voila here's 13 members of a franchise that have covid well, did you see what the uh, the Cardinals GM said? Where he was all like, uh, I can't confirm uh, whether that's uh, factual that they went to the casino, but if it is true, uh, I would be extremely disappointed. Well, Major League Baseball and the owners need to start fining for behavior. Fair? Yeah. I mean, all right, no, no to the bubble. Great. But quite honestly, the most disciplined team is, is going to win, and that's for the NFL, that's for college football. If we have college football... And I look at just juniors baseball weekend. We were in in Omaha and gorgeous weather, sunshine. And we've played an entire summer schedule. We're working on probably 30 games in an abbreviated schedule. You've been umping. I don't know how many games you've umped. But the point of it is, is, you know, the, the, the junior high kids have got it figured out and the parents and I'm not saying there hasn't been any cases or issues anywhere uh, between some summer basketball or, or baseball. But there's been some responsible actions by a lot of the parents. And they're not always wearing masks outside in the stands, but we're all spaced apart. Yet you fast forward and Major League Baseball just can't get it together. They, they won't cancel. I don't think they'll cancel, but they're still continuing to look like a jumbled mess based on these cases. Charlie McBride's on the way. Hour two coming up. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Live. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Mr. Blackshirt. It's a Monday with Charlie. Coach Charlie McBride joins us. Coach, how was the weekend? How you doing today? Good. <laughs> yeah, I just telling my wife she's making so much noise in the kitchen. I thought maybe we 
she'd be, she might as well take my place. Well, we can talk football with Mrs. Charlie. It's all right. <laughs> <Can> but she? <laughs> which, she knows more than I do. Well, well I'm going to leave that one alone because uh, the, uh, the wives always know all, don't they? That's the answer sure. we give as husbands. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. She, she spent more time watching it than most women. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So I want to get your thoughts here, and uh, we're getting closer to – a decision by the the Big Ten, maybe. Uh, we're supposed to have some thoughts on, on a schedule, but there isn't one other than a letter from Commissioner Warren. And, you know, Charlie, when we look at Nebraska's schedule, potentially, um, you know, what what's, what's your take on this year going to be when, when it comes to expectations and just how goofy the year is anyway? What are you looking forward to from from Scott and Nebraska in year three if we get a year three? Well, I think consistency and, and you know, looking more like a, you know, a team that has a chance to to win at any on any day. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that I think that's the thing. You know, we've kind of, it, I don't know how you call it, but maybe broken down at times and, uh, mm-hmm. You know, and at, and other times we've, of course, been haven't been good, and other times we've really been good, but it's not consistent. And I think you just have to go out there, and I hate to use the word, but just look like a machine. Mm-hmm. You just keep once you plug it in, it goes. And um, you know, there's times when you know you have some bumps in the road, but but they're bumps in the road. They're not quarters and halves. And, you know, their series and things like that. I think that, you know, and I think that the young people, you know, there's, uh, you know, with without a spring practice, uh, I don't know that you can expect a whole lot out of, you know, a lot of the teams with young people in them. I mean, it's just the idea of playing now that the athletes are there, but, you know, you have to be around the program. You have to get to know the people. It's it's kind of hard walking out on a field when you don't maybe don't know even all the guys on the team. And um, so that that's one thing. But I think that it's you know you're looking for consistency. You're looking for you know things that are improved uh, penalties. You're looking at stupid penalties, and you're looking at just things you know being able to keep the football and and. You know, things that are really, really important to the game. Um, you know, you, you can, um, you know, they, uh, you, can, you, you can sometimes lose a game and learn a lot about your team. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, if you feel that way as a coach, then I think you're better off. You know, if you lose a game because you got beat by a team that isn't as good, that's a little different. Uh, but at this point, I don't know who's good. You know, sure. I mean, I don't know who you can say. I mean, other than probably Ohio State, and maybe Michigan or something like that. And I think some of these teams out in the East Coast are going to be really going to be tough duty before it's all mm-hmm. over. I think Maryland's always had a great tradition and so forth. So, you know, but I think in general you're looking for improvement and consistency. I think, you know, that uh, – um, you're looking for defensively. You're looking for probably a little more, you know, things that are 
in, in the game, you're looking for more, maybe not sacks, but pressure on the mm-hmm. quarterback. You're looking for, you know, a team that's a good tackling team. Uh, fundamentally, I think you, you're especially you, you know you, you notice it more defensively than you do offensively. A lot of times, uh, technique-wise and things like that. I think in the secondary, you know, we haven't been a team that's got a lot of turnovers, and I think that you know there's an, if you can improve in that and, and be a team known as a team that gets turnovers. Then you know you're going to be you're going to win, and you have to create turnovers, and so that 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 becomes a player um, involvement more than anything, rather than just a guy fumbling the ball. We have to cause some mm-hmm. cause some turnovers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's got to be a you know it's got to be an all-out effort. It's got to be a lot of people around the football, and and and. You know, it's a it's a thing. You know, like interceptions, for example. You know, how do you, how do you return them? Do you are, you get guys blocking for them? Are there? You know, there's just hundreds of little things that sure. a lot of people don't really think about. You have to talk to the players about. You know, because they're responsible for a you know for you know blocking. Now you're on offense. You got you got a chance to block somebody, knock somebody down, and on defense and go ahead and turn it around. And, uh, again, special teams is always going to be a big thing. And I think that that you know as well as I do that that's probably got to be an improvement. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, and uh, we're talking about some expectations for Nebraska. Coach, I want to I want to get into the, the Pac-12 uh, player group from multiple schools that put a letter out yesterday uh, threatening to opt out of fall camp and game participation unless their demands for fair treatment, safety regulations, and concerns over racial justice for college athletes were are are are, are not met yeah. by the conference. What's your reaction to this? You have uh, kind of a different era of of player voice and player yeah. power now. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you know, you, you know, maybe in football it might be a little different. Um, you know, I, I think you always have to listen to the players. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you, I don't think you, I think if they take away things from the university, you take things away from them. Um, in other words, if they want to do that kind of stuff. I think they have a responsibility to the university in getting a scholarship in the first place. And, um, you know, that that's the main thing, number one is. And, and, and if they don't want to play for that scholarship, then they need to go play somewhere else. I, I really believe that. But I, I also believe that there are certain things that, that maybe they have the right to uh, stand up and say, I don't, I've never run into anything. You know, in my lifetime, uh, where people have demanded more, uh, you know, and and it confused me because I never knew, you know, from what I know and all the people I've been around and all through high school and everything else, you know, I say, I guess I've lived a sheltered life, but I've grown up with minorities and things like mm-hmm. that and had nothing but good friendship and, and things like that with with people mm-hmm. and uh, 
you know, and you know, I mean, it's it's something that you know that maybe some guys are doing it for a reason. Uh, first of all, they want money for doing other things. You know, I I don't know that whole deal where the I guess the region, the state is allowed now to players to make more money there and yeah, name and image and likeness. I don't know yeah. how you can how how people can say that and then walk away from it or because of some things that can be done together while you're playing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we had we had stuff. Uh, you know, the unity council was a big thing with us, and there's a chance for for. For people to talk to people, you know, without coaches being around and being able to do the things, and and then they have the chance to get with the coaches, however they want to do it. But to to take things away from the fans who have supported them for all these years, and 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 just kind of walk away from, you know, their scholarship, and then I, I think that's basically, I think it's selfish. Charlie, you went pretty much where I wanted to go with this next, and that's the Nebraska Unity Council, uh, which a lot has been made of Scott Frost bringing that back. Uh, But back in your tenure uh, with the Unity Council, how often would things like this be brought up where the team had issues and they could come to the coaching staff and you could get those things resolved? You mean teams, you mean racially or? Uh, Just in general, but then also. Well, the Unity Council was a thing where the players got a chance to speak their voice without a coach being in there. And we did have a person that led it, and uh, I think uh, Jack Stark was the guy that was in there, and he communicated with Coach Osborne. And, they're, they're, you know, and they asked for some one game, you know, they might want to wear all red or they might want to do all this and <laughs> do some things that, you know, that were, were out of the ordinary. And if they weren't a bad something that was just awful, and and they all wanted to do it, well, then they did. Maybe they, you know, there's things in the training table. Maybe there's stuff like that they can talk about, as far as what's good for them, you know. Um, and they can talk about all these things that they're involved in. They can do it with or without coaches, but to have it spread out through universities. I think each university needs to handle their own show because they're all in different environments. And, um, you know, and some of them, you know, really rely on, you know, their fans. Uh, Some of the schools that are just on the, you know, coming up to Purdue's and the Indiana's and some of those schools that haven't been so good, you know, are having an opportunity now to, you know, to, to show improvement, to do, to, to get up with the, you know, the big teams, and, and to to be part of a, you know, a chance to play in a bowl, bowl games all the time and things like that. And uh, I think that by doing this, you're just hurting the players themselves. I think you know, and so so it's just uh, you know a matter of you know how how. How they handle it, I think you got a new commissioner who's walking on eggs right now. Uh, he, he comes in and he gets this thrown right in his face. He's just brand new, never been really one in a conference like this before. And so you have all kinds of, you know, things that are, you know, on his back. And, you know, so this, this league and this, you know, playing, you know, this, this season... Uh, I think you have to. I think you have to go 
the commissioner has to go with pretty much a lot of advice. I mean, I I would if I was the commissioner, I'd be trying to find out the best thing for our conference. Some teams that what you decide may not be good, but for the majority, it has to be good. And um, that's a hard thing to do, I think, unless you have a lot of input. Charlie McBride's with us. Coach, a couple minutes here before we say goodbye this week. And what do you predict? Do you think the the season starts on September 5th? Or do you think the Big Ten by the end of the week will say, all right, here's the schedule, but we're not going to start till the end of September. Do you have any feeling or thought? You just had Northwestern stop workouts today after a positive test. You've had six teams in the league have to halt workouts, two of which have had to quarantine for two weeks. Well, that's the bad thing. You know, the, the quarantine thing is, you know, somebody goes into practice and really doesn't have a chance to really do anything. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like sandlot football for them. I mean, it's kind of like mistakes. It's, you know, they they just aren't haven't worked with their coaches very much. Mm-hmm. They, you know, it's and that's that's really tough. I think if you go the other way, and there's going to be players that say they, and you decide you're going to have a you're going to have a thing, and then some players decide that they're going to boycott it. Then play the games. They just don't play. They want to boycott. Fine. It's mm-hmm. like a strike at a union. Some some guys strike and some guys don't. And if that's going to be the case, I think most teams have enough players that will play uh, and honor their scholarships and honor the their fans, you know. And uh, the ones that are, the ones that don't, then that let them watch the game. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> yeah. Do you think we get a about a minute here? Do you think we get a resolution on on a schedule and a start date this week? I, I think you'll get. I think what they. I think you'll get a. I think you'll get a schedule. I think you know the way it sounded like at the beginning that they're they were going to try to play the games. Whether the fans are going to be involved, I, I would question that at this time that they're going to be involved early, maybe later. But and that's going to be a you know a dis, kind of a disastrous thing for the ticket people and mm-hmm. the, you know that. But uh, it may it may happen that they. They don't have fans in the in the games, you know, but they can still have it televised and and things like that, which I think are important. Um, and uh, you know, go through with the season. If something comes up during the middle of the year, then they're going to have to be a lot of questions. They're yeah. going to have to be a lot of, you know, uh, it may be that one team has some guys that come down with with it and they just, you know, can't play. I mean. Uh, you know, maybe if they only have a couple of players, the games will go. But if they have five, six, you know, starters or seven mm-hmm. or eight starters, and you know, it just isn't sometimes isn't right. But they may just fight through the season that way. And the other thing is, is they may go and not really have have a have a conference champion. Um, you know, it, the other thing is decision on bowl games and things like that. I mean, they haven't even started that one. Yeah, we'll see if uh, if we get to that point. Coach, we'll uh, check in next Monday. Stay safe and healthy, and thanks for jumping on with us. Okay. <laughs> 
I hope everything gets straightened out because it is confusing and it isn't. It isn't a joke. I mean, no. it's it's really a tough time to to be you know involved in in college athletics. It is. Coach, you take care. Thanks for the time. Okay. Thanks for having me. Bye now. ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com Just try me, try me Back to Hale Varsity Radio Big thanks to Coach McBride Some thoughts on Nebraska, the schedule The expectations, do we play And uh, the players Specifically from the Pac-12 And uh, their Demands. Open phones till six. Join us four six six three seven seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. So is the tip of the iceberg with the Pac twelve players and the hashtag We Are United. Do you see a band or group of players from the Big Twelve? move forward do you see this in the big 10 do you see anything happen in the sec acc go down the list with me listen you've got a laundry list of players that feel like they are being taken advantage of and that's that's the disagreement that's out there Are college football players being taken advantage of? Are they being exploited? And it depends on who you ask. Should college football players get more than they get? Coach coach is right. If you sign a scholarship letter, you should honor that scholarship. And if you don't like the terms, don't agree to go on scholarship. Now, there are billions generated from college football, from the Big Ten. What do you see as a player? Should you see more? And let's just kind of all roll our eyes together about the amateur status. These kids are, in a lot of instances, putting in more work than you or I maybe did in college, and I worked through college. I didn't practice through college, man. So it's – and it's – Something that can really rub people wrong. Some folks are more willing to listen. But the issue here is, and and you have a lot of safe, responsible takes from the kids from the Pac-12. The ones that put their name on these list of demands. But then you have a couple of outrageous demands that people are going to focus in on versus the, the bigger picture. I mean, the 50% revenue is, is not realistic. Uh, the health and safety side of things with insurance, I get. And how did this come to be? Somebody got to a group of kids. Kids feel exploited. Now, there's the other side of the coin where you're going to have some college football fans stand, fold their arms, and say, well, this is entitlement that's gone amok i mean you should be thankful and grateful that you get to go to college for free showcase your ability and then maybe in the future because of this opportunity go earn a lot of money in professional football or 
all right, maybe you don't go play pro ball, but guess what? You got your school paid for and you're very hireable with your business degree that you didn't have to pay a cent for. What What's tuition? You're a Lincoln kid. What's tuition now for Nebraska? Uh, the, I think my folks maybe spent 12 grand a year. I don't know. I think uh, tuition, if you're doing, if you're living on campus with the housing, it sits around 20,000 a year. Uh, if it's not with the housing, it sits around 10,000 a year for so your talk- in-state residents. So we're yeah. talking anywhere between 50 and 100 G, the, the cost of education. Yeah, uh, for the kids that are out of state, I know uh, out of state tuition sits somewhere more uh, closer to 30, 35,000 okay. uh, a year for them. Uh, and then with the room and board, it would be up to 45. Okay. So it's, it ain't cheap. So what happens here? Is this the beginning of a movement for other conferences? Or does the Pac-12 kind of slap this down? And you've gotten Pac-12 Commissioner Scott and a spokesperson saying, look, we've, nothing, we, we've received nothing formally. We've touched a little bit here on Washington State's response. And do you think college football players are being taken advantage of? I think to a degree, yeah. There should be there should be some higher percentage of dollars per year that that is generated that that should go to a slush fund. Postgraduate postgraduate dollars kids can access. I think there's a lot of kids that see the climate in today's world and understand the leverage they have now. How long have you felt taken advantage of? How long have you been unhappy? And this is the time now where you want me to go put a helmet on and maybe catch COVID because we need 10 football games a year. It comes down to this. If you don't feel comfortable playing, there's no shame in that. You go to your head coach, you go to your position coach, and you say, I'm out. I'm out. I'm worried about it. Please respect my decision. I, w- I still want to be part of the team as far as in future years when things are safe to go back and play. But you just step away. That's absolutely okay. But don't opt out and then ask to be a part of things and get the benefits without the blood, sweat, and tears. And that's an issue with the Washington State situation. And you're going to have a lot of these kids that have piped up and tried to, to evoke change. They're going to be booted. You may stay on scholarship, but you're not part of the team anymore. It's very tricky. As a college football coach or a football program or as an athletic director, you got to listen. you got to really, really listen to the kids. And to sit down and talk, communicate. What's your take? It's a tough spot for those college athletes. Do you think they're you think they're getting hosed uh, financially? To a degree, yes, but also no, because you have to look at the the financial structure of how these universities and the athletic departments work. <laughs> so, for what those kids are doing, and for the publicity that they're getting for free, essentially for the university and not for themselves, yeah, I, I'd say they're getting hosed. We also have to look at the fact that. Can all these Power Five universities actually afford to give their players some sort of compensation? I mean, they, they can afford. I would think they can afford to to give them 
more than they're getting, but how much more? And it comes down to the discussion point, are these guys employees or not? Well, um, my wife is in the medical industry, and bless her heart, she's masking up and shielding up, and that's her job. She does not get to choose whether or not she wants to go in. The NFL and Major League Baseball and hockey, guys have an option to opt out. You have till Thursday or Friday for the NFL. But it's your job. You're compensated. These kids aren't getting compensated financially. They're not. They're getting compensated when it comes to their education, their living situation, and it's it's a small, small, small fraction of what is being made off of their performance and the eyeballs tuning in. And the name, image, and likeness was a step in the right direction for a lot of the kids. But how far out do you zoom to give players more of what they're worth? Yeah, I mean, and, and the timing's right right now to raise all these questions. The, the Pac-12's going to move forward, I think, and just those who want to play ball and be a part of the team, these are our rules, these are our terms, this is what you get, and if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. That's going. That's got to be the response. But it's, it's still a tough position for these athletes to be in because you don't want to be the guy who opts out and then, oh, your head coach doesn't like you anymore. Well, but that's part of this discussion. Mm-hmm. Go have a discussion and and don't blindside your coach with it let them know that hey there's bigger picture items i want to talk about but the here and now is hit the training table get a workout in know the playbook stay healthy go to class and let's play ball and win some games together it comes down to why you why you're going are you good at football do you love football do you love the coach? Do you like your position coach? Or is it something that, hey, it's too good an opportunity to pass up. I'm on scholarship. I'm going to go play ball, and, and maybe I can, I can be a pro someday and make some money. I mean, what's your reason? Well, that's what the NCAA would like the public to believe all these kids are doing is, oh, I'm going for the free education, and I get to play football while I'm there, and that's just not true anymore. Is so many of these guys are going to play football and to get on to the next level. You that's know? why. No, yeah, that's why you do it. But I'm saying very few go pro. Yeah, and I, I, there's a lot of kids that are stuck. They're, they're playing football. They can't have a part time job because they're playing football, mm-hmm. and they're basically living paycheck to paycheck, quote unquote. Like uh, with like, that. like a lot of us, they're just <laughs> getting a, they're getting early practice at it, like the rest of us. That's a good point. I mean, it just is. So this is. Uh, the, a deep conversation and you're I mean there's gray area to it there's those that are like eh, shut up and play you're getting school for free I had to pay out my backside for graduate and undergraduate or there are those of you that are like yeah <laughs> there's billions billions being raked in and you can do a little bit better than than cost of attendance for me please and there's been a little bit of wiggle room given with the name image and likeness that's going in the right direction in the state of California. Nebraska's spearheaded that direction. But this is an opportunity. You need us to play. Here's what we want. And it was gone about the wrong way. 
It's okay to have a voice. It's okay to put a statement out there. But when you throw out a bunch of demands, be prepared to be told to get lost. Because that's what's going to happen. Now, there's a couple of kids from Oregon that they won't kick off or tell to leave. But you're going to have more and more programs move on from a lot of these kids. We'll get to some Gary Patterson stuff here next segment that is really no good. Between Gary and a linebacker, as uh, social media is the place for the posting. You can join us today, 466-377-6800-825-5865. And the players' concerns very real about COVID-19 and playing without some guarantees when it comes to health and safety. They want some assurances, but they also want some finances. Hail Varsity rolling forward on a, on a Monday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Which teams are blazing out of the gates? Which players are already in midseason mode? We've got the league covered. The latest news, COVID updates, the inside word, and the analysis and commentary you've been missing on ESPN Lincoln, FM 1015 and 1480 AM. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Taking out on a Monday, it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence on Twitter. Email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. And uh, some MLB to get into. So we have Gary Patterson news. Just getting you caught up. Uh, Northwestern has stopped workouts after a positive covid test that came down about an hour and a half ago but social media again a place where a player went to vent this time as tcu players spar over a racial slur allegation against gary patterson so tcu coach gary patterson was accused of using a racial slur by one of his players monday but several players came to his defense so you've got tcu linebacker dylan jordan he's posted a message on twitter on monday accusing coach gary patterson of using the n-word twice over the past couple of days so shortly after jordan posted the accusation several of his teammates came to patterson's defense jordan he played in two games last year going to be a redshirt freshman linebacker and he started out the 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 post kind of complaining about just his situation at TCU. Uh, Playing time, what he was told versus what's happening. They've asked him to switch positions. Why can't I get on the field? And, I mean, it's it's a pretty big list of complaints here by Dylan Dylan Jordan here. Um, When it comes to this, in a year's time at TCU, I've met lots of people who have uh, and have really fallen in love with the location and the atmosphere here. As a student athlete, you go through and do many things others don't. You learn a lot of things like sacrifice. On the football side of things, life has been really rocky since arriving at TCU. I was promised early playing time during recruitment, which never happened. I've asked why, why, when, when can I get on the field, and even suggested moving positions. That's never happened. 
This past Sunday was our third practice of fall camp, and Coach Patterson called me out for posting my girlfriend on National Girlfriend Day in front of the defense. As practice moved on, he approached me, and I told him, you should have just asked me about it. And he then said, you're a bleeping brat, and I'll send you back to pit. I said, for what? I ain't do nothing. He followed with, you've been saying the N-word in the meeting room. This morning, I show up for practice, and multiple players approached me and asked if it was true. I told them yes and how everything happened. We refused to practice today. The defense said, we're not practicing. As practice moved on, he approached me and said, you should have, okay, this is the second part of it. So I, I am letting you know what was posted by Dylan Jordan. He said that Coach Patterson said the N-word twice, and that is what happened, but it was in reference to Jordan's use of it in meeting rooms. He repeated the slur, didn't call anybody that name. And you have Jordan go to social media and post this, that, you know, saying the word coach isn't okay, even if you're trying to correct me for using it. So I hope I'm clear on on where the situation's at. So you have this disgruntled redshirt freshman go on Twitter. Gary Patterson's like psycho, okay? The guy sweats profusely. He's as intense and old school as you get. And this kid ain't going to last long. And Gary Patterson was saying, look, I don't want you using that word and said the word. And you've got another guy saying, look, the media is going to twist this like coach is calling you that. That's not the case. Um, it, it should have been handled. So the team didn't practice today. But this is kind of a crazy mess and situation, Elijah, down at TCU. And, I mean, Patterson's as old school as old, old school gets. But he shouldn't be painted as some guy dropping the N-word. Yeah, this isn't a guy calling his players the N-word. No, but- no. Now, I'll just say this. As a white dude, you never, ever, 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 ever use the word. Mm-hmm. Period. No, and my problem comes in, he's saying, hey, you can't use that word. And then he follows it up by saying the word? Like, there just, there just seems to be like a... Those two are button heads. Because Patterson's sick of this kid's maturity level, and the kid's getting corrected on something. And what's the kid do? He, he, he posts family laundry and, and tries to stir up something. And again, the kid has every right to be ticked off that, that Coach said the word. But it was in, please don't use that word in the meeting room. That's what Patterson was saying. Mm-hmm. And then some of the older guys are like, look, yeah, as a defense, we didn't practice today, but uh, the <laughs> don't go public with this, man. Yeah, well, that just seems to be the, the, natural, way to go. the natural response of the, the student athlete nowadays. Let's voice our opinions and make somebody look bad. And if somebody deserves to be made to look bad, I get it. But Patterson's kind of a nut. And I don't think he should say what he said, even in repeating 
saying don't use this word, but he's not in the wrong here with telling a player what's not acceptable and what is acceptable. It's his team. He is wrong in the way he went about it, I think. Patterson? Yeah. Yeah, he was kind of looking for a fight. But I don't think it, it. this didn't warrant to me, let's go to social media and try and oust our coach. Yeah, especially whenever you're still on the team. There is one aspect to it where you have the, the internal issues. You decide, okay, the school isn't for me anymore. I'm going to leave. And then you can air out some dirty laundry and say, I'm explaining my reasoning for transferring. Like, okay. But if you're trying to remain on the team and you want to work for that spot, I don't understand what your purpose is here in calling it out on social media. There's, there's places you could go within the university to report things, uh, within the athletic department, that is. You could go directly to the man himself. I just don't see what is being accomplished here besides enraging like the public by going to Twitter with well, it. Well, it's, listen, the, the coach said the word. He shouldn't say the word, but he, he's still ticked off that the coach called him out in front of the team about his girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's some things here, and it started out with what I was promised, what I'm not getting. This kid's gone. I mean, he'll, he'll transfer and leave. And, uh, you know, if, if Patterson's got a history of racial insensitivity, you're going to see a, a, a drove of players come forward. Instead, you've had other players come forward with the backing of Coach Patterson. And in today's day and age, that's not always the case. Like, the, the laundry will get out and players will absolutely destroy a coach if they get a chance to do it. And in some instances, rightfully so. We'll get to the phones here in a minute. If you're on the line, stay there. We'll wind down a Monday. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Can send an email, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. We'll wind down a Monday next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, thanks for spending time and can get the podcast loaded up. Subscribe to iTunes or get to HailVarsity.com for the Hail Varsity podcast. Elijah will have that up. Give us a rating and a review. We want to see uh, what star you rate us. Opinions matter. It's all good. Uh, reminder about drinking and driving. One out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high, never acceptable. And law enforcement officers working around the clock to stop it with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols as a driver. Make that correct choice, a non-alcoholic drink or a pre-selected designated driver. Be smart, start the conversation. Who's driving home? Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Hey, a birthday wish. Now to uh, the dude I love, and it's my dad. He's 70 today. Joe Papa is his nickname. Lots of other nicknames. But uh, Stephen J. Schmidt is 7-0 today. Looks great. Feels great. 
and uh, lots of golf and grilling and Jack Daniels ahead, my friend. Thank you for everything. Birthday, man. And um, we uh, had a little pizza last night and just sat out on the patio and uh, enjoyed the last day of living at, at the age of 69 <laughs> before he breezed into 70. That's wild, man. 7-0. Yeah, and the, the people that are of that age, I, I'm not of that age, clearly, um, but they say it goes by too fast, and that's what scares me. Being See, a- I, I look at, like, I used to think, like, 60s were old. No. I don't even think 70s are old. I, I don't, because... You still see 70-year-olds out and about living their life. There's a lot of 70-year-olds that kick our ass. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I mean, think about it. I mean, if you could be five foot seven, one sixty, you could uh, you could separate. There's, there's a lot of seventy year olds that are in way better shape than a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Guilty. So, what's on the Monday docket with your bad shoulder? Um, icing and drinking, or what? I, I think just some ibuprofen. Okay, uh, I don't even need the ice anymore. Um, my Nuggets had an early game today, so not quite sure we. Uh, Game's not even over yet, actually, but they're up seven in overtime on Derek Peterson's Thunder. So that always feels good to get the win over the Thunder, especially when like all the media's been saying, like, ah, oh, the Thunder, the surprise team, they could beat the Nuggets in the first round, and nah, nah. But other than that, I don't even know. Get home, see what's on Netflix. I finished uh, Fear City. What you think? Mob. Super solid. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a story like I've I've heard before. I, I know like how the mob was taken down, but this is like a different. This is way. new. Yeah, this is new at the commission. Mm-hmm. So Michael Franzis, former Colombo crime boss, he is into uh, ministry uh, now. Uh, Michael Franzis will be with us tomorrow, and uh, Zuba Mahente from uh, Sports Center is joining us tomorrow as well. All this while I'm gone. Well, dude, not my bad there, but Mitch Sherman's also going to be with us. So it's just going to be a loaded up day. That's all it is. It, well, it, it is. A, I try to make every day loaded up, whether you're here or not. But Mondays, there's usually a lot to talk about. So a little yeah, more. We a ton to talk about today. A little more us time. But yeah, what's the fallout with the Pac-12? You've had a day, 24 hours of buzz and reaction. What's the Pac-12 statements towards the players' objections? So uh, we'll keep you posted on what happens with the Big Ten in Nebraska. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Thanks.